Welcome to the Stahl Community of Faith podcast. The Stahl Community of Faith Church is located where we like to say Topeka and Lawrence meet at 1596 East 250 Road. We invite you to join us as we worship each Sunday at 11 o'clock a.m. We are currently seeking a pastor to lead our church family. So may you be blessed as we welcome today's guest speaker, Jennifer Parsons. Our scripture reading today comes from Luke 17, 5 through 10. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. The word of God for the people of God. To God. And now we welcome Jennifer Parson today to provide our message. Good morning, everybody. I'm uh, I'm pulling up my sermon. I'm one of those... uh, not a millennial, y'all. I'm still Gen X, but I still preach from my, my phone because I just can't, can't help myself. Um, so I'm really excited to be with you all today. And I'm very thankful for uh, mutual connections with friends. So I was able to get, connect through a mutual friend with Susan. Um, a little bit about me. I, I went to seminary in 2003 in Chicago, and I did most of a Master of Divinity and then didn't finish for, you know, life reasons. Uh, And then a couple years ago, two years ago, I graduated from Phillips Seminary in Tulsa with a Master's in Social Justice. So I have spent a lot of years of my life taking Bible classes. (laughs) Um, So I, and I love to preach and I'm always excited to get to come and and be with, with people in worship. Um, so I want to think a little bit about this whole mustard seed mulberry tree thing. And I feel like I I owe you all a little bit of transparency right at the, at the top here. I am not a gardener. Are there gardeners here? People who like to garden? Okay. I guarantee you that you have forgotten more about how to be a good gardener than I have ever known. Um, I now. I want to be a gardener. I feel like I have a gardener's spirit. I, I have the heart of a gardener. If you looked at my Amazon purchase history, you would think I was a really great gardener. Um, I have hope, always. So a few years ago, and so I have a couple of raised beds, and I'm, I can grow herbs, and I can grow hot peppers, and I've, I've tried with um, so many other people, but that, that's really my mother's gift. When, when I was a kid, she had wildflower gardens, vegetable gardens, and I was the small agent of chaos that would just go and like take the seed pods and scatter them when they would come up in the fall. Um, 
But I, I want to garden. And when the pandemic shutdown happened two and a half years ago, I thought, oh, this is great. I don't have to commute. I'm going to work from home. I'll have time and energy to, to work in my garden. And so I got really inspired because, of course, the shutdown happened like around, you know, St. Patrick's Day. So it was pretty cold. And I'm like, I am going to start seeds early this year. But I have cats and a dog. So I bought a greenhouse tent to put up on my back patio. And two years later, I sold that sucker still in the box to someone else. Yeah. Uh, around the same time, I also bought uh, a big roll of that black sort of fabric barrier stuff to you put down and keep the weeds out. And two years later, I sold that to someone else still in the box. Um, so my, my, my track record is not great, y'all. Um, I will go to the farmer's market in my favorite greenhouse and I'll buy starters and things like that and I'll plant them. So I have an herb garden, but right now it looks like a witch lives at my house. Um, and, and this past spring, I was like, well, the only barrier to me being a good gardener and having a garden is the fact that I, I mean, I have an ankle that's all messy and I'm like, I can't really get in there with the shovel and the, the garden weasel. So I bought a, a tiller. And it is in the box, but I'm not going to sell it. I am still convinced that this coming spring, we are getting the tiller out of the box and tilling up those beds. And I will plant the hundreds of seeds that I currently have stockpiled. Friends, when I tell you my faith, and I'm not trying to brag, but my faith in the face of just the reality, the stark reality of my skills is unwavering. I will not be deterred. So, so there's that, and I, I feel like that's, that's important to, to understand this whole, whole mustard seed mulberry tree thing. Um, I am a cook, right? So I do know a little bit about mustard seeds from that end, right? I use them in Indian food, and mustard greens are very tasty, and they taste like pepper, and, some people don't like them, but I do. So, so this is one of those things. When the Bible uses an image that we don't really understand, I think it's important to really like, try to dig into it, right, and figure out what's going on here. Because I don't think, I'll, I'll, I'll take anybody on who says that they read the Bible completely, literally, word for word, because I don't think Jesus is actually talking about a little mustard seed in an actual mulberry tree, right? I don't think anybody thinks that. So when we don't understand the image, it's important to dig in. And I think when we do understand an image, when it is something we're familiar with, it's even more important to dig in, right? And to figure out what's going on there. So let's do that. Let's dig in. So Jesus is talking about uh, faith with his disciples. And what we, what we have here in Luke's gospel, right? And I've been preaching Luke's gospel for the last few months. So... What we see in Luke's gospel is Jesus traveling around the countryside, gathering crowds as he goes, right? Like he's, he's picking up his disciples along the way, but even before he starts recruiting helpers, he's gathering people because he's arguing with the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, who think of the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees as like the good religious people of the town, right? They're, they're the religious leaders, they're the religious establishment. So he's going and debating with them in the, in the synagogues and in the, in the square, and he's healing people. Probably if someone walked in here and 
put their hand on my ankle and I could do a cartwheel, that would gather a crowd eventually because I'd go screaming it to the public. So he's healing people, he's gathering crowds, and he's garnering some attention. So he's got, like, we've already seen him preaching to thousands of people. And his disciples are going along, and he's telling all of these parables and trying to get people to understand what is happening. And he says, you know, earlier in the, in the gospel, we have the parable of the Good Samaritan. You all are familiar with this, right? Like, you're, you're good religious church people. You've heard the Good Samaritan. Um, so Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, and we all know that he basically tells this as a way to look at these good religious people and say, don't be so concerned with your religious purity and piety that you refuse to reach out to someone who is in need, right? Someone who doesn't fit your idea of, what, of someone you should be associating with. Like, ugh, away, away with the religious piety, away with the, with the purity issues. And we have the, the parable of the prodigal son, right? You know, this one too, where, you know, the, the older son who, you know, is a good guy. He's been doing his duty. He's been working the fields and, you know, taking care of the animals and being responsible. And he's so mad when his wild and crazy, like money squandering brother comes back and his father throws this big party. And the father says, son, yeah, you've done everything. You're great, but... We thought your brother was lost to us and he's here. So don't be so concerned with your own goodness, right? Your own rightness and the fact that things are unfair and you deserve more than your brother, right? Be happy he's here. Like, don't let your own arrogance and self-importance overshadow this joyous moment, right? And, and a couple chapters before, before this story, Jesus tells this parable about a, a crooked manager, a corrupt manager, who essentially is, is bilking people. He's managing this rich man's money, and you know, he, they're loaning out, they're giving money, and people are owing goods. And so he's tacking on extra, right? He's you know, doing what he shouldn't be doing according to Jewish law. And he's, you know, someone owes 50, and he said, well, you owe 80, so I'm taking my cut, right? So the manager, or the, or the pardon me, the, the rich man says, I hear that you have not been managing my money right, so I'm gonna fire you and you have to account for all of your, all of your dealings here. And this guy is like, oh, shoot, I'm gonna get caught out here. And out of complete selfishness and self-interest, he's like, all right, I'm gonna cut these people a deal, right? I'm gonna cut out this cut that I'm taking. I'm gonna cut these people a deal, so, when I lose my job, because, I mean, I'm not gonna like, do labor for a living. No, that's beneath me. And I'm not, well, I'm you know, too weak for that. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna beg, because that really is beneath me. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut these people a deal. So when I'm poor and don't have a job, they'll, they'll take me in, they'll show me hospitality, right? And out of total self-interest, this criminal of a human being does something that's positive for his neighbors. And so I think with that one, like Jesus has been like telling these parables all along to his disciples and all of these people, and they're constantly seeing themselves as the hero, right? Of course, I'm the Samaritan who would help somebody on the side of the road. Of course I am. Of course, I'm the father that would rejoice in his child. Of course I am. But in that parable, there's no hero, right? There's nobody for people to be like, oh, I'm awesome. So they're like, oh, wait a minute, we're supposed to 
we're supposed to identify with the criminal, right? So I think Jesus is getting really tired of these people and the disciples like trying to like puff themselves up, right? And find some self-importance and think that they're better. And so then we come to this, this parable when the disciples, right, they're, they're helping out, they're, they're good guys and they're like, increase our faith. And not because they think they aren't faithful, they think they're very faithful, but because they're trying to puff themselves up and stand out above this crowd of thousands. And I imagine Jesus just like, <sighs> right, y'all, if you think Jesus didn't sometimes look at his people and go, oh, you're not reading the gospel. Go back, go back. Go back and imagine Jesus just like, come on. Because uh, I think it's there. It's right there. And he says to them, like, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, if your faith were even this big the way it's supposed to be, you could look at a mulberry tree and just tell it to rip itself out of the ground and it would. Now, friends, I do know about mulberry trees. There is a mulberry tree in front of my house and I've been trying to kill it for 11 years. <laughs> and every year it comes and it rains these disgusting mulberries all over it. And the fruit of this mulberry tree always is infested with worms, so I can't use the fruit for anything. I've been trying to kill it and it keeps coming back and it's so deeply rooted, I swear that these roots are growing into my herb garden and shooting up new trees. So mulberry trees are really hard to tackle, right? But if you have faith even the size of a mustard seed and you are doing what you should with that faith, right? I'm not a gardener, but I know that to grow a seed, you have to have soil that is appropriate for that seed, right? It has to have water and enough nutrients and sunlight. And that's where it breaks down for me is what needs, like, what seeds need what stuff. But you have to have the right conditions. and You have to nurture it, right? And you have to encourage it to grow. Um, sometimes like the big overwhelming mulberry tree grows where I don't want it to, but something like a mustard seed where it's tiny, tiny, tiny really needs some nurturing to grow. So Jesus is saying, like, if you nurture your faith and you take care of it, you can uproot the invasive, overwhelming, seemingly insurmountable mulberry tree. You can do it. And that is cool, right? And I can't tell you how many times I have stood in pulpits and preached this or, or sat in churches and heard different pastors preach about the mustard seed and, you know, cultivating faith, and I just sat there, and then, you know, I could end right here, and everyone would be super, super happy. Oh, yes, we're going to nurture our faith. But uh, it wouldn't be me if I just left it at that. So I want to dig into the mustard seed thing a little bit more. Jesus Jesus is a referential guy. Like, he likes to refer back. A lot of the time he's referring back to, like, the, the Hebrew scriptures. Like, he really likes Isaiah. Like, he is a prophet in the tradition of Isaiah, right? Quotes all over the place. But here he's, he's just referencing himself. Just referencing himself. So earlier in Luke's gospel, I think it's chapter 13, he actually tells the parable of the mustard seed, the kingdom of God is like, right? 
Throughout the Gospels, Jesus tells a lot of the kingdom of God is like. God is like this, right? Because the kingdom of God is too big to describe in whole, right? So we have to use these metaphors. Now, my, my Bible geekness has to point out a couple of things. Um, the, the Gospels were written down some decades after Jesus died, and that's fine. Uh, the stories of his life were passed around by word of mouth, by scrolls, right? And different communities of faith use different scrolls, right? That's why we have multiple Gospels. And there are even, you know, scrolls, Gospels that were important to communities at the time, just didn't make it in during the whole brawl at Nicaea hundreds of years later. So the mustard seed thing happens in the Gospel of Thomas, which is not in the Protestant canon, uh, and then Mark, Matthew, and Luke. Uh, John kind of does his own thing, so we're not going to think about John right now. He's kind of overdoing his like woo-woo spiritual thing, and the others are telling a pretty similar narrative, right? We call them the synoptic gospels. You might have heard that. Um, and most scholars that, you know, any scholar I think is worth their salt as a Bible scholar agrees that somewhere along the line, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all sort of saw the same scrolls, heard the same stories, right? They had some same source material that they were working with. And they call that Q. It's just a label, right? So someday, when you're sitting down and reading some work of biblical scholarship, because I know that's what y'all do on your free time, um, and you see the term Q, that's what it is. It's like the, the source or the scrolls that Matthew, Mark, and Luke were dealing with. Anyway, so they all tell some version of the mustard seed. And I want you to pay attention to the differences. So the Gospel of Thomas, the disciples said to Jesus, tell us what the kingdom of heaven is like. He said to them, it's like a mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds, but when it falls on tilled soil, falls on tilled soil, it produces a great plant and becomes a shelter for the birds of the sky. Mark. I'm going to start with Mark because it's sort of the, the barest of the, those three synoptic gospels. Matthew and Luke get a little more embellishment. So Mark's gospel, uh, chapter 4, says, And he said, What can we compare with the kingdom of God? What parable can we use for it? Like a mustard seed, which sown on the ground, Thomas said, it just fell on tilled soil, but Mark sows it on the ground. Like a mustard seed which is sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth, but when sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs. So we went from a plant to shrubs, spreading big branches so the birds of the air may nest in its shade. Matthew says in chapter 13, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of the heavens is like a mustard seed which a man sowed in his field on purpose, right? Someone's purposely planted this in a field. Surely, it's the smallest of all the seeds, but when it grows, it is greater than the shrubs and becomes a tree. So birds of the heavens will come and live in its branches. All right, so we've gone from a plant to a shrub to a tree. So then Luke says in chapter 13, so he said, what's like the kingdom of God? 
With what can I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his garden. It grew and became a tree, tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. Now, friends, with all the other parables, the people who are hearing Jesus ask him questions to clarify. They don't really ask questions about this one, right? So I have to think they knew more about mustard seeds than we do. So what, what's mustard seeds? So there's a lot of different varieties, right? Like brown and yellow mustard seeds grow into, you know, a plant. Yellow, yellow mustard seeds, it's a plant maybe, you know, this high-ish, maybe, maybe a little higher. Bright yellow flowers. These are the ones that have the leaves that taste like pepper. <laughs> so good. Um, black mustard seeds grow into a, a little bit bigger shrub, right? Kind of shrubby. I hear tell from the internet that there's some variety of mustard in Africa that grows into an actual tree, but I couldn't find photos of it. So I feel like this embellishment, right, happens for some reason. But what's more important to understand is in Jesus' time, this, this Luke version is especially bizarre because mustard seeds, mustard, this shrubby plant is basically a weed, right? It wasn't allowed to be sown in gardens in, the, in first century Palestine because it would take over everything. It's like mint or the mulberry tree. It just takes over everything. And so it interferes with the things that you're trying to cultivate. So if you're trying to cultivate mustard, a mustard seed, in your garden, you're already doing something that is weirdly disruptive, right? Hmm. So why, why would Jesus say that faith is like something that grows into a weed? And friends, I, I, have to, I have to think that this is sort of paired with this mulberry tree image in Luke as a way of following up on all of these parables, right? Jesus has been planting little, little disturbing mustard seeds to criticize re the religious establishment's commitment to purity and piety at the expense of neighbors, right? Jesus has been planting little disruptive mustard seeds of faith to disrupt people uh, thinking they're so much better than anyone who's ever made a mistake in their lives, right? He's been planting these little disruptive mustard seeds of faith to challenge anyone who, who thinks that, that somewhere in a system that values money so highly that there is no hero in the story, right? There's no hero in that story. But to challenge that system of valuing money over human beings so much to the point that when the corrupt manager stumbles into doing something nice for his neighbor, that's the kingdom of heaven, right? Like, Jesus is planting these little, little seeds of challenging all of these oppressive systems. So friends, what I think is that perhaps Jesus is telling us that these systems are mulberry trees that seem like they'll never die, 
right? The, the unfortunate really reality of people of faith, and we'd all love to say it's those other people of faith, but if we're honest with ourselves, we all have our moments, right? Of, of thinking that we somehow have lock on the good life better than people who are not us, right? We all have those moments. So I think Jesus is challenging saying, I know it seems like it's hard to overcome that, but you can if you nurture the faith I'm offering you. And, and these, these family relationships where, you know, some of us are really trying hard and it just doesn't seem fair that the ones who are out there living their lives on the edge get just as much love as the rest of us, right? Challenging us to break out of our self-righteousness and our frustration and our anger with our neighbors. And Jesus planting these little seeds of doubt, challenging us to, to really look at how much we value money and stuff. I'm calling myself out. I'm the one that already told you my Amazon spending is out of control. <laughs> but to really challenge us to look, I know it seems overwhelming, right? We, we live in a world where money is valued so much that at the same time people can't afford food and can't afford gasoline, ExxonMobil recorded its highest profits ever and then the next month beat their record. And, and people can't, like their employees can't get paid a living wage, right? Like this is where we are. We have trillionaires and people who can't eat, right? And it seems like that is too big a mulberry tree to ever kill it. But Jesus says, if you have enough faith, if you cultivate the faith I am giving you, everything is possible. So friends, what I leave you with today is that cultivating faith is not just about saying, Jesus, Jesus, God, God, we love you, love you, love you. There is that. But it is also about cultivating those things in us that encourage us to go out and be disruptive to show love in the face of arrogance and our own barriers, to show generosity in the face of a system that values money over people, to show kindness and care in the face of a world that does not often, to be meek in the face of arrogance, to be humble. God, this is starting to sound like the Beatitudes, isn't it? <sighs> It's almost like all of this sort of holds together. So friends, I, I leave you just encouraging you to look at the places in your life where some good soil needs to be tended. Find your mustard seed of faith and cultivate in yourself and those around you and in the sweet children that you have influence in over your life to go and be disruptors. Amen. <laughs>